from Westside Church in Bend, Oregon. You're listening to Behind the Message. Each week we take you behind what we teach here at Westside. I'm Ben Fleming. I'm Evan Earwicker, and we are coming to you live from Westside Exchange here in our chapel at Westside Church. Hello, everybody. All right. So many people actually said hi. I love that. Because <laughs> it makes sense, right? The response isn't woo when somebody yeah. asks you that. <laughs> it's good to do these live. It proves to our listeners that uh, we have friends. And, uh, <laughs> and it kidding. forces some people to listen to the podcast. <laughs> it's true. It really does. <laughs> well, tonight we have our special guest with us, uh, Lindsay Parnell. Hi, Lindsay. Hello. Lindsay is our... What's your title here at the church, uh, Lindsay? What is my title? Uh, associate worship pastor. Associate worship pastor. That's technically, what it is here at Westside. Yes. Awesome. How long mm-hmm. have you been here at Westside, mm-hmm. Lindsay? I uh, started coming here in two thousand four, and uh, I did an internship here at the church for a couple years. Met and married my husband, and then we moved back to Albuquerque, New Mexico, where I'm from originally, for a couple years. But uh, we couldn't stay away, so we moved back. Jumped right back into things. And your husband so. is a gorgeous man. I, I completely agree with that he statement. He is fantastic. I could not agree with you more. That comes up hair. more than you would think in our <laughs> I conversations feel, I the feel like these men at Westside Church love my husband more than I do, actually. Uh, <laughs> or at least are very attracted to him. More? Guilty yeah. here. Yeah. He's a good-looking man. <laughs> He's dreamy. He's, yeah. <laughs> we should probably move on from that as quickly as possible. Very good. So, you guys, we've been doing this sermon series here at Exchange uh, called A Line in the Dark, which is talking about the subject of um, shame and anxiety and depression, which is especially prevalent, uh, more prevalent among young adults and youth now than it ever has been before, um, especially in America, that people, uh, young adults, high schoolers are dealing with anxiety levels that would match people who were in insane asylums when the fifties. Uh, and it's just something that we operate with all the time. It's a normal part of life. And, uh, it's just something that we've encountered, especially as we've done youth camps and all this kind of stuff that a lot of, a lot of young people are dealing with severe amounts of shame and it's becoming a crippling thing when it comes to their faith. And, um, so, uh, what's your experience with things like shame and, and, and depression through? Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> so basically, uh, I was just kind of going along, living my life. I considered myself pretty outgoing and could make friends easily, could hold conversations with people easily. Um, and then it felt like out of left field, out of nowhere, one day I woke up and I just, um, I felt kind of sick and I didn't really know what it was. And, and it, I, I'm not doing it justice. Basically it was, it was an anxiety attack is what I was having. And like from that day forward, um, it was something that I dealt with like every day, all day. I remember waking up and thinking like, is it gone? Nope still there kind of a thing um i it it changed my personality a little bit and ben when you say crippling like that's absolutely right like it was crippling i didn't enjoy hanging out with people anymore or making new friends or and and i didn't enjoy holding conversations with people because my anxiety was just like it it was always like at the forefront of my mind and it and it was a physical feeling for me as well as mental so um i felt sick a lot of times i lost a lot of weight um and this was all during the season where i was engaged and getting married so it was just kind of a <laughs> stressful time if you will but um it's honestly something that i've dealt with since then um I do feel like I've had like amazing breakthrough, and it's not something that I deal with uh, daily anymore by any means. Um, but it definitely, I would say, is a season that defined me. Um, at the time, probably not in the best of ways, and then now um, 
in a healthy way in and of itself that I'm just here sharing with you guys. Like that's pretty phenomenal uh, when you look at it in hindsight. So, so what did you try to attribute it to? Because most humans are like, okay, I have a problem. This is something that's happening. Right. I've got to trace it back to exactly what the source is. Yeah. Did, did you try to do that? Yeah. Or was there oh, a desperately, source? desperately. Because it was like, it was if, if I can figure out what is causing this, then I can fix it. Or go to counseling and say, I'm anxious about this. And, and I don't think I ever really pinpointed what it was. I, I do think it was a little bit spiritual, honestly, for me. Um, but also just going through a crazy season of change. Like, um, I was a child bride. <laughs> I got engaged when I was 20. <laughs> Not, there's nothing wrong with that, but you know, just so young. And, and I didn't, I hadn't lived a lot of life yet. And then entering into this crazy season of change, um, was scary. And I, and yeah. I was scared about a lot of things regarding that and so I think it was probably just a culmination of life honestly which is probably true of most people who are dealing with that today it's just life it it was overwhelming for me at that time you talk about being able to talk about it now do you feel like there's a stigma when it comes to whether it be anxiety uh, or depression or even going further uh, into things that really need professional help is there a stigma to talking about that yes (laughs) and what can we do um, to kind of break out of that stigma. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I think um, as from the position of the anxiety sufferer, I suppose um, the the only power that I have had, the only power that you have, is what what you can control is your is yourself is is the steps that you're taking, who you're talking to about it. And so, the first part of that is the stigma bit. Yes, absolutely. So I was on staff at a church. I was leading worship regularly. I felt so much shame in connection with my anxiety. It was. I feel like that was probably the crippling portion because I wow. felt like, what did I do wrong? Like, where did I misstep to where, uh, you know, God would punish me in this way or allow me to go through this? Or am I am I sinning? Am I not supposed to get married? Am I, you know, all these questions and things that went into it that made me feel like I was somehow in the wrong that I had done something. To, to all of a sudden be experiencing all this anxiety and panic and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I felt so much shame. And that caused me to be quiet about it for years, you guys. I did not talk to anybody about this except my poor, blessed husband. <laughs> He's the only person I shared this with. Uh, for probably three or four years, I just dealt with it silently because I felt like if I were to share with somebody, they would think I was living like a sinful light, like I made a wrong decision somewhere, you know, it just felt like it was my fault kind of a thing. So I didn't want to share with anybody. But the, the funny thing is, is the moment I did share with somebody, it was like a million pounds were lifted off my shoulders. Like it, the freedom I experienced and no, no, I wasn't like all better. Great. I told somebody I'm fixed. It was I didn't carry that burden alone anymore. And so the, the shame that held me in silence, in such bondage for so long, I felt like was broken off the moment I, I shared with somebody about it. And so it's kind of funny how that works. Um, so the, the stigma can be broken, um, but by you. Like, like if you're dealing with this, you're suffering with this, sharing with somebody who can have some, some insight into it for you um, is a really powerful thing and I think breaks that stigma really, really quickly. Uh, somebody texted in and said, what is your best non-religious advice for dealing with depression? And I think what we just talked about plays into this. Removing the stigma uh, uh, that is prevalent when we talk about getting professional help. And uh, we are uh, 
people who believe the Bible. We believe in the power of Jesus in our lives. And so uh, we're here to do both, right? We're here to say um, Jesus sets people free. And also there are ways that people can help walk you through things. Yeah. Um, and we've talked about this amongst our staff. I think people here might be surprised just how many of our staff and pastors uh, regularly go see therapists and counselors. Yeah. Uh, it's not just a few. Like we're all pretty in need of counseling, folks. Uh, sorry if that's you know surprising to you, but the, the reality is, um, we understand there's value in talking to somebody who's been trained uh, to counsel, yeah. to you know work through situations that are part spiritual and part physical, or part um, even. Um, chemical, you know, and so uh, we don't rush very first thing to, well, let's get you drugged, you know, when anything comes up in your life. But we always want to say, listen, we're going to pray, we're going to believe God, and also we're going to open ourselves up to all the resources that we are now living with, which include counseling and a whole bunch of other stuff. So did you go through and end up going through counseling or was it mostly just talking through the community? What was the counseling process like Um, as you went through? Yeah. So I got to the place where I was like desperate enough, which unfortunately that's kind of the place I think a lot of people get to where they just can't do it anymore. Um, And so I got desperate enough to be like, okay. And my husband was like, "Um, I can't be like your only person anymore. It's too heavy. Mm. If we're being, it's too heavy for, for any one person to deal with. And so, um, I had him make the phone calls because I just couldn't do it. I couldn't even talk on the phone you guys, wow. <laughs> to anybody at this point of it in, in my whole journey with it. Um, and so he found this gal. She was a Christian. Her name um, was Wesley, and she has such a special place in my heart. I love her. In fact, I, it was one of my New Year's res- resolutions to look her up again because we kind of lost touch when we moved back here. But um, she was what call, what is called a spiritual director, and that sounds like really woo-woo, and it's not at all. Like <laughs> That's what I call Evan. Yeah. Woo-woo. He's my spirit. Yeah, I your call him name. woo-woo. That's your yeah. pet name. <laughs> it just got really weird. We are painting such a strange picture of what happens during the week. Here and I didn't Church. make it weird. That yeah. was Lindsay You're made welcome. it weird. No, You're I mean, welcome. my name is Evan. You can call me woo-woo. <laughs> <laughs> I never called my boss woo-woo before, but I'm, I'm in. I'm in. I got to admit it. I don't even remember the question now. (laughs) Spiritual director. Spiritual director, yeah. And um, it's basically just these trained counselors – for the most part, and and they don't, they're not just a part of the Christian faith. They, it's like a thing across um, a lot of different faiths and religions. Um, you can like find a spiritual director near you, kind of a thing. They have a whole website and stuff, and that really does make it sound kind of woo woo. It's not, um, but but basically, I I talked with her on the phone a bit, and she had me drive out to her her place. Her and her husband had this like retreat in the mountains of New Mexico. It was beautiful, and just honestly, driving there and driving back was therapeutic alone. Um, but but um, all that to say, yes, I, I did go to a professional. I did get counseling, and it was absolutely life changing. So there's that. There's the counseling side, mm-hmm. and like Evan said, we are we are people that believe the Bible. We mm-hmm. believe in God, mm-hmm. and we're not going to discount that and completely throw that out. We don't want to yeah. throw out either side because God works through both of them. So right. Were there any maybe spiritual disciplines that you mm-hmm. talked about? Like Pastor Bo talks about how. Uh, whenever shame starts to come back into her mind and tell her what she is, she creates these things she calls bullets to yeah. shoot back at them and, yeah. and, and take them. Was there anything like that for yes. you? Any spiritual disciplines? Yeah, such a good question. Um, I, <clears throat> I'll i just put worship on. And that sounds like a, <laughs> like a 
cop out kind of a thing. But but I went through a time where that's all I did. <laughs> You guys, my poor husband. <laughs> like, geez, girl. But but he would be like watching his like show or whatever, and I would go back into our bedroom with my laptop, and I would just type in Hillsong Worship in YouTube, and I would just let the playlists. The I would do the autoplay, and it would just be one after the other. And I cannot describe to you the type of peace that would come if I was overwhelmed in the moment, if I couldn't deal, if I was super anxious that day or that night. I would just retreat, and I would put worship on for hours and hours. I'd fall asleep yeah. to it. I'd wake up in the middle of the night and have that like tight gripping feeling I'd put it back on and just that is that's my bullet and I still do that to this day if I'm having an anxious day week month year whatever it may be I will put worship on I watch church services regularly it it ushers in the presence of God Literally, and and you know the Bible says perfect love casts out fear, um, and I kind of associate anxiety, fear, you know, all that stuff is kind of lumped into one for me because I feel like you feel one, you feel them all at some yeah. point, and so um, yeah, that's that's my go-to still. I will put on worship regularly. When I've worked with uh, students, my background is in student ministry, uh, facing anxiety and depression. I'm always interested to hear some of the triggers that lead to that place. Um, and many times it'll be like, you know, well, I spend an hour on Instagram and then I'm really sad and I can't figure it out. It's like, okay, well, maybe um, the source of some of those triggers is in the behavior that's leading up to these moments of real darkness. And so I would challenge or encourage anybody um, to almost do an assessment if you're finding yourself in, in patterns that lead you to that kind of dark place. Uh, look for those things that have become triggers for that uh, that kind of feeling. And if if comparison is something that is really dragging you down, uh, maybe it's time to you know get off social media for a month and see. Uh, just watch how some of those uh, lifestyle or habit changes can have an effect on your mental well being. And uh, I think technology is catching up to where people are at when it comes to these issues of the effect that technology has on mental health. And then there was a question uh, that came through. A second yeah, I ago. got it. It's, it says, it seems that mental illness is growing among young people today. Perhaps it's due to demanding perceived pressures from social media. However, technology and social media should be able to provide groups of, with safety and camaraderie for young people to find Christ. How would you like to see technology play a role to create an empowering environment to guide youth to God and a healthy mental mindset. Yeah. And did you guys see that quote from uh, Facebook when they, they basically said, we acknowledge now that the more time you spend on Facebook, the sadder you're going to be? No way. They, their Facebook, Facebook is coming wow. out and saying that. Uh, not a great uh, way to build your user base. <laughs> <laughs> Want to be sad? Come to our platform. But even... <laughs> Refresh. Yeah. Refresh. <laughs> um, but they are acknowledging the damaging effect that social media has on a neurological level. And if that's them saying it, how much more so is it uh, damaging to yeah. us? We're not programmed, I believe this, we're not programmed to be able to interpret and process the kind of social interaction that we get uh, at the quantity we get it flipping through a feed. Yeah. That, our brains aren't programmed for that. We're programmed for conversations face-to-face and group. And so we, we get thrown into this thing where we can see a thousand people's perfect lives all at once, and our, I don't think we can handle it. Yeah. And so uh, we have to fight back. Technology hasn't caught up yet to giving us the tools to effectively combat it, I don't think. Yeah. And so I think this is a place where we can actually lead yeah. within these kind of communities and this kind of setting in the church even to say, what are the, the things that we're going to do as safeguards to this kind of damaging yeah. 
uh, emotional and mental uh, behavior yeah. and how we interact with social media. And definitely evaluate yourself. Like Evan said, in, in my opinion, I've spent the last year now, and actually especially since doing a lot of research for this series, um, kind of developing a serious hatred for social media. Uh, I, I hate that I find myself mindlessly scrolling through it without paying attention. I hate that. I hate that I'll sit in bed at night late when nobody else is posting and you refresh it and nothing changes and you refresh it again and again and again and nothing changes. Like what in me makes me continue to refresh the feed? This is stupid. Like, I don't know what I'm after. Um, and, and I gotta be honest with you, like some of it, a good handful of you guys in here have, have messaged me or, or texted me or emailed me saying, I'm going through this. I am going through depression. And I, the first thing I do is go to your social media feed and I look at your pictures and I say, no way. You're fine. You posted this morning that you are you, you, the I don't I don't know the 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 mountainscape in a rainy day. You know, like you're part, PNW. You know? Yeah, I, mean, I know. <laughs> like you look great, and um, you know that's not to say look you shouldn't be posting anything like that. That is to say, like yeah, we really are going through all these things, and there's something that happens in our psyche that that creates this idea that we're not good enough, or we're not as good as our friends, we're not living a life, we're fe- we're missing out on something that a lot of p- other people have. And I don't think we're made made to endure anything like that. So all all that back to say, you know, Paul said something along the lines of uh, all things are allowable, but certainly not all things edify. Um, And I have a feeling that a lot of us, if not most of us in this room, things like social media and a lot of the things that technology has given to us are not edifying. Uh, Am I anti completely social media now? No, like I love to look at your people's baby photos as much as the next person. (laughs) Not really. Um, but I, I think there are good things to be had. I communicate with people that otherwise I would have completely lost touch with. Like all those things I think are, are fine, but we got to be honest with ourselves. And, and if we can trace it back to technology, and that's not always the case, but if you can trace it back to technology for a reason that you might feel a certain way or you might be thinking a certain way, you guys just get rid of it. Mm-hmm. You don't have a smartphone anymore. Yeah. Like it's, you know, and, and, and I've said that in sermons before and people have been like, well, yeah, you know, if this is, a, this is about your life, mm-hmm. you know, if you can't help but dig into pornography when you're on your phone, get rid of the phone. Mm-hmm. If you can't help but be overcome with depression when you're on social media, log out. You don't even need to write a message to everybody telling them that you're not going to be on Facebook anymore. <laughs> as much as I love those of you who do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so if, it's, if it's not edifying, try your best to diagnose that in yourself and, and don't be afraid to get rid of it. I have one thing to say real yeah, quick go for before it. you move on. Just back to the question about how, how would you like to see social media change and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and I would say it, that would be amazing if social media could catch up to, to you know where we are and all that stuff. However, I think that's kind of putting a lot of responsibility on, on other people wanting to see uh, these sources and these causes of anxiety or depression or, or, or turmoil it kind of puts it on other people. And, and I would say it's really just kind of saying, you know, agreeing with what you guys are, have already said, but, but it's a little bit just more on us. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, like we just need to take a little bit of responsibility and a little bit of control back and say, okay, I do have, I, I don't have control necessarily over this, that or the other, or, 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 you know, whatnot, but I do have control over who I'm following. Like I went through and I unfollowed a ton of these like, Girls, you pro- you probably know. I don't know if guys do this, but all these like um, influencers and they tag like everything they wear. Is that just me? Am I the only person that follows people that do that? Okay, no, girl. thank you, we Stacey. Okay, good. 
That means like, you unfollowed oh my God, me, I have, I have bigger issues then. Um, <laughs> but I went there because it made me like want to buy a bunch of stuff. And, yeah. and I saw that in myself and I was like, sick. I don't want to just be this girl that shops all the time or spends all of our money and all this stuff. So I went through and I unfollowed a bunch of people and it felt incredible. Wow. I For them not to be in my feet anymore. And not that they're doing anything wrong. They're not. It's their job. Whatever. You, you go, girl. But I don't need to be inundated with it. You know That's what I good. mean? And so in the way it's like, how do we want to see social media change? Well, I want to see your social media change. And I want to see you go through and, and take control of these things that are affecting you so negatively. Um, basically, just exactly what Ben said. Like, yeah. log out, sign off, un- go through an unfollowing spree. I challenge each and every one of you to do that tonight because I guarantee you will find a ha- at least a handful of people you can unfollow and feel better for it and be better for it. So. We've got tons of great questions in here. Uh, hopefully we can get, get to all of them as many as we can. This one I was going to bring up because um, it has been racking my brain. I'm not from Bend. I've only been here for about a year and a half. Uh, and most everywhere else I've lived, especially Klamath Falls, just down the way, Bend is like an oasis in the desert to them. Um, and look, I believe that Bend is, is awesome, but Bend likes itself some Bend. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, you know, it's just, you know, people in Klamath, you know, if I could just get to Bend, I would see Jesus. And it's like yes, yes, you would. You guys, um, but but I totally one hundred percent agree with and acknowledge. Like Ben is an awesome place, and it has one of the highest, if not the highest, as far as the county is concerned, um, youth suicide rates in all of Oregon. And so this question came in: Why do you think anxiety and depression is so prevalent in a place that is so desirable for young adults to live? It seems like it's if it's so desirable to live here, then depression wouldn't really have a place in the community. Um, so you guys have lived in Ben a lot a lot longer than I have. you have any ideas or, or thoughts about that? Well, as someone who was born here in Bend, jeez, <laughs> thank you, everybody. So many transplants. It's rare to find a local, but here I am. Uh, Autographs are in that yeah. corner by the pizza. St. Charles, there. 1985. Anyway, um, <laughs> forgot what I was going to say. No, <laughs> Is that a birth class? You guys have reunions? Yeah, I just made it up. <laughs> That's cool. No, but in seriousness, uh, living here, there is a sense of, well, you live in Bend, what's your problem? The fact is, no place is going to fix you. Like, no no geographical place, no better church, no better relationship. It's not going to fix you. Like, um, what is on the inside has to be dealt with, I think, on a spiritual level. Um, on a internal level, um, and no matter where you go. And so it's a mistake to think, well, I live in Milwaukee. If I move to Bend, I'm going to be happier. Well, you might be happier, but it's not going to fix your depression. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so we have to dig deeper, I think, and especially in creating a community here where it is safe to be ourselves. Because mm, so we can't fix uh, who you pretend to be, right? <laughs> and I don't mean like we, like with the pastors can't. No, no, this community can't fix who you pretend to be. Yeah. Um, we, can, we can find freedom when we come as who we really are and bring our real selves to the table. Um, then all of a sudden we can find healing for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to say, well, if I, if I move to a place where it's more beautiful, I'm going to be happier. Yeah, you might be happier, but that's not going to solve all your problems. Yeah. And so we have to look for, I think, biblical truth about what is going to satisfy our souls and also then, if there are things out of whack in um, our physiology, we get that settled. But we take it step at a time and don't expect that, you know, a beautiful mountain view like we have here in Ben is going to solve our problems. Right. Yeah. Right. right. That's good. So good. You good on that one, Lindsay? That was a pretty good answer. I don't think I could top it. So, 
Uh, here's another good one. What are some ways to quiet the voices in your head that just tell you lies? Um, Satan has become so loud it makes it hard to clear, hear clear truth sometimes. I can always recognize his voice and know when it's him that's telling me the lies. But what are some ways that I can begin to stop being fearful when I hear it? Well, I would say take your cue from Jesus himself. I mean, there's that whole story in the Bible where Satan actually came to Jesus and tempted him. And he, you know, he said a lot of fancy words. Yeah. And what did Jesus do? He said, you say that, but the words, you know, my father says this, the Bible says this kind of a thing. And so my first thing, uh, a piece of advice to you would be like, learn your Bible, learn some scripture, get some bullets. Like what Pastor Bo says, you find the scriptures that are powerful, that are for you. You know, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power. Hello, power, love, and a sound mind. And you, you speak it back. You say it out loud. You know, just fight lies with truth, you know, so get some truth in you. And if you don't know really where to start, come talk to Pastor Ben, talk to Pastor Evan. Um, you know, we can direct you to some, some places in the word that, that are, um, really helpful, powerful, powerful scriptures um, that can help fight, combat those lies, and silence them in the name of Jesus. Yeah, so. and if, if you want something now, like I need that now, um, great place to start is Google uh, scriptures on identity in Christ. Mm-hmm. That's a great That's place true. to start. Mm-hmm. Um, when we talk about our identity, it's who God says we are, mm-hmm. and not what that voice says I am, not right. what I say I am, not what other people or the comparison says I am. Mm-hmm. What, is, what does God say I am? And you're going to begin to see through scripture rather than just saying like, Okay, I'm going to close my eyes, and uh, here we go. In my distress, hey, this is good, actually. Psalm 120. In my distress, I called to the Lord. He answered me. Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue. Wow. What shall be given to you? What shall be done to you, you deceitful tongue? A warrior's sharp arrows with glowing coals of a broom tree. And then it gets weird. Um, <laughs> take me to the forest, no, Evan. Take me to Woe to me, I sojourn in Meshech. I don't know what that means. But it says it too long have I had my dwelling among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when they speak, they are for war. Come on. So you just, you start to build yourself up yeah. with what God says. And you say, yeah, people have been here before me. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I, I look through the Bible and I, I find David holed up in a cave wanting to die. I see Jonah hiding under a tree wanting to die. These guys are facing depression. Yeah. And what saves them is yeah. the word of the Lord. Yeah. Okay. And they speak that over themselves or God speaks it to them. And all of a sudden it doesn't just magically, I'm happy. No, they get raised up on the inside and they realize who they are, not where they are yeah. right now. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. So anyway. Yeah, and make sure you have some people in your life that tell you that you're not something that you're hearing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it, I, I was praying for some of you guys um, a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about shame, and it was just an awesome time at the front. And, and I was just asking the question because the sermon was about, you know, that shame wants to name you when God already has. Right. And, and so I was just asking that question more than praying, just being like, so what has shame called you? And a lot of you guys are telling me that. And one of the first people that I, I, got to have this conversation with up at the front just said, well, shame has called me this, this, and this. And, and I said, no, you're not. And they started crying. And, you know, it's not just about an emotional response, but it reminded me that, oh my gosh, sometimes the bullet or the thing to hold on to isn't always just this, this perfect verse. You should run to the scripture. You need to run to all those things that Evan just talked about. But sometimes it's just having that knowledge to say, that's, that's not me. 
Um, I, I, I've gotten to preach at a lot of different places, and honestly, like 18-year-old me uh, would pee my pants if I knew that I was a young adult pastor at Westside Church in Bend and got to hang out with all you guys and preach on the regular and, and all that stuff. And, and I've gotten to do camps and conferences and all this different stuff. And um, I've gotten to preach at Westside on a weekend, which is not a huge deal to a lot of you. But man, again, 18-year-old me would have lost myself if it's... 29-year-old me kind of loses myself at the opportunity. But... And there are some times where I will, I, will have a, I will have a discipleship time or I will have a message on a, on a Tuesday night or with the youth and I will get in my car and the voices will begin to tell me that because I didn't perform at a level that I hoped that I would, that I am not made for this, I'm not good enough for this, that God doesn't call me to this. I've got the whole freaking resume to tell me otherwise. But that one moment, the voice comes back and it feels so real. And sometimes it's just a matter of being like, look, devil, I've already been through it and answered all those questions. I am made for this. I am a child of God. It's too late. So you can go ahead and tell me that I'm not. I already am. I already am made for this and, and shoot that back um, mm-hmm. when that voice becomes an issue. So good. Um, a lot of these questions that are coming in um, are... Gosh, there's so many. Yeah, these there are. are awesome. They're awesome. Um, so many saying, yeah, okay, but I'm still dealing with this. I, I've, I've done these things. I've walked through this. I'm still facing depression. I'm still mm-hmm. sad. Um, even this morning, just talking in, um, to a parent about a kid who is, is just sad they're just they feel the weight of sadness and they're doing all the right steps and it's just not happening and um this is where faith doesn't necessarily always have the easy answer or the here take this call me in the morning kind of response right but what i do want to say is if you're still in that space where you're saying i'm just not finding it yet um can i just encourage you stay here and and be sad but here don't be sad alone. Don't be sad isolated. Don't, yeah. don't face depression by yourself. If, if it's the only thing you can do to muster up the, the energy or the courage or the whatever to, to come here and just be around people, please do that. Yeah. And don't shut yourself off. And, and I know that's a, that's a huge ask. Um, but I, I just want to say when the answers aren't clear, yeah. uh, don't face that uncertainty alone, yeah. Yeah. I guess. One thing I would add to is um, I've totally been there. <laughs> it was like, okay, we're going on year five of this, year six of this, Lord, really? Like, why? Why am I still dealing with this? Why is this still an issue in my life? Why haven't I found breakthrough or deliverance or healing or a miracle? Or why hasn't there been the magical worship song or the magical scripture? Or, you yeah. know, because it's so easy, <clears throat> excuse me, on this side of things to be like, here's what you need to do. And, and I agree with all of it because all of it really helped me. But I've been there where it's like, okay, but I'm still dealing with this and it's more real than anything I've ever felt in my life. Like I, I, I feel this in my very body, soul, mind. And, and what I would say to you is just don't give up mostly. Like, like you will get through it. You will get through it. Absolutely. If, if you, if you, Cling to Jesus. Cling to Jesus. You guys, I still have anxious days. I still have anxious times. I still, anxiety still plagues me sometimes. I'm not like all better fixed. And honestly, I think it's just part of the world that we live in. Yeah. I do. But, but one thing that, that I have to believe is that God is who he says he is. Mm. And he will do what he said he will do 
even when I don't feel it, even when I don't see it, even when I'm at the very lowest point, even when I was at the very lowest point wow. and I didn't believe God was who he says he, he is. My tenses got weird there. But even when that was the case, it was like, I just have nowhere else to go, God. Like, I, you're it for me. Like, wow. you're all I have. You're all I know. And I don't trust you. And I'm pretty mad at you. And I don't have all the reasons, but... I'm not going to go anywhere else. Like, I'm just going to, I have to stay here. I have to believe that, that this is true, that what you say is true. And that at some point I will be healed at some point. There will be a day where I wake up and I say, is it still there? Nope. I feel okay. Like I I feel good. Okay. Next step, you know? And, and so hang in there. That sounds like so silly, but, but that's just, sometimes it's all you can do is hang in there and, and just choose to believe God is who he says he is and stay connected in community as, as best you can. As hard as it is, I know. Um, just, you know, for me, it was like, where else can I go? Mm. Nowhere. This is it. This is yeah. it for me. So, A couple more questions. I really want to answer this one. Because uh, going into the series we talked about, not everyone is walking through this. And so I don't want you to feel like, yeah, because we're teaching on this, this means all of you must be depressed. And, you know, because I'm, I'm a preacher that's going to talk about this because I have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Um, but of course we want to talk about the other side. So if we are not currently walking through this, really it's, it's a Jesus thing. If we're not walking through this, how do we help other people walk through this? And so a question came in that I said, what are some, some suggestions for people that are in the situation like your husband was or is, um, what are some things, some suggestions that people in that situation can do, uh, when it feels like maybe the burden is being piled on top of them? Yeah. Um, I think, that's hard to answer because everyone's so different and everyone's needs are different, personalities are different, and struggles are different and so unique. Um, but one thing Eric would always do is is encourage me and be very loving. You know, he he wouldn't really try and fix the situation. I think it got to the point where he's like, I can't, so I'm not going to try. Um, but he was just very, very loving and very encouraging and would always, without fail, he still does this, which sometimes bugs the crap out of me, but it's like, <laughs> can I pray for you? <laughs> and sometimes I'm like, no, what are you thinking? No, which is very telling of me. Uh, but But that is always... A good thing. That's never a bad thing to offer to pray for someone or, or just be loving and encouraging in, in your responses to them. Or even like, how can I help? What can I do? Like, I don't know what to do right now. What can I do for you? Um, that's really helpful too. So, um, yeah, that's, I don't know if that answers the question super great. but Yeah, and honestly, I think being a safe person mm-hmm. for that uh, person who's struggling with this um, is never a bad thing, right? You can say, hey, you can, you can vent, you can yell, you can let it all out, and I'm going to be safe. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm going to be confidential with that. I'm going to allow you to, to just unload and not judge you and not you know, question who you are. None of that. I'm, I'm going to be safe. When it, when it comes to how we pray, too, and I want to mention this, uh, oftentimes we, are, we do a poor job of being honest enough before the Lord, and I, I want to encourage us all. Uh, God can handle um, the real raw us. Um, if you feel like you have to be polite when you pray, um, you're not doing it right. Uh, <laughs> uh, the real you, and I, I was remembering uh, Psalms 142, David says, I pour out my complaint before the Lord. I tell him all my trouble. David had a lot of trouble, like a lot of trouble. And so when he's pouring it all out, it's, 
I mean, it's ugly. It's, it's messy. And I think our prayer lives shouldn't be this, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Be honest before God because he can handle it. So and he's actually the one that can, can bring about change in your life. So don't save your politeness for God and vent on strangers. <laughs> right? Be polite to strangers and vent when it comes to prayer. Vent when it comes to safe people. Um, but find the right place to really, really be yourself. I'm going to try to tie up a, a handful of these questions in just one last um, little go around here. But we, we've got a lot more uh, questions about social media regarding all that kind of stuff. So um, first of all, I'll just ask, throw it out there for you guys. Where do, we, where do we go from here as people that are trying to be people that are walking through this and a part of the solution? Um, also, what does it look like if we're serious about creating these bullets in our life, um, maybe even practically, what, are, what does it look like to, to pull back from social media a bit uh, and to live that in a more healthy way. Um, so that's kind of a two-part question. So where do we go from here as people trying to walk through it and help other people through it? Um, and what does this look like maybe in a practical way when it comes to social media or a lot of the social norms, right? Because we're expected to be constantly available and, and accessible and um, all that kind of stuff. So I'll throw those out there for you guys. Yeah, you know, when I grew up uh, in church, we, we talked a lot about in, in Christianity, like, being different, you know. And for us back then, it was real weird. Like, uh, you know, we break, we break secular CDs and only listen to Christian music and wear Christian T-shirts. And I, we used to go into Costco and change the dials to Christian radio stations, <laughs> thinking that that was the way, you know. Nowadays, I disagree with everything we stood for back then. But <laughs> Next week's bonfires canceled, you guys. Just. <laughs> but there is something to be said about God calls us to a different way of living. And sometimes it actually, he calls us away from the norms, not so that we can be weirdos like I was at eight and nine years old, yeah. but to be different for our own health and the health of the community. That's good. And so maybe that looks like putting aside the FOMO a little bit and saying, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to be okay not being as accessible or connected or up on the things or as much of a hype beast as the guy next to me or whatever it is that you feel like you need to be. Uh, following Christ actually means I got to step away from that a little bit. Not just so I, I'm like weird and off by myself, but because it's going to save my life and maybe some lives around me. That's good. One thing, just a really practical thing in the where do we go from here is um, I would encourage you just to do an honest evaluation of yourself, where you're at. Like, take stock. How are you feeling? What's your latest thing? You know, on a scale of 1 to 10, where are you? Like, anxiety, depression, that kind of stuff. And, and then go from there. Maybe write it all out and then think, okay, do I need to, to call a professional? And that sounds scary. It's not. It's wonderful. You know, do I need to set up a meeting with Pastor Ben or Pastor Evan and 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 get some advice or help? Do I need to, you know, Google who I am in Christ? What does the Bible say? But, you know, I think kind of taking an honest stock of where you're at because we do feel that pressure to put on our best face, our best selves. On Instagram, when we're here, we, you know, we feel that pressure to look and act and be perfect and have everything okay. And I think sometimes we fool ourselves a little bit in, into thinking everything's okay or more okay than it is. And so just just get alone, figure out where you're at, and then I think that'll really help you kind of know some next steps. And if you are one of those who nobody really knows what you're dealing with, what you're going through, you're the silent sufferer for whatever reason, mm. your next step is find somebody to talk to. Like, 
There's no getting around it. And I got to the place where I was so desperate that I I needed to do that. Don't wait until you get to that point where there's like no other options for you. Just find a safe person that you can talk to and then go from there. Those are two super practical, easy things you guys could do tonight um, that will get the ball rolling and help you um, find some breakthrough and some peace and some healing. And if, if you're in a place where you're saying, I need professional help, I don't know where to start, do I just yelp it? You know, like, four stars, I'm depressed. Um, sorry, I don't mean to make light of it. Um, the church here at Westside is, is well-equipped to actually connect you to the right people and places. Yeah. And whether that's through us, like calling one of us at the church or emailing us or texting us or just through the front office even. But we have ways to get you connected. We have a whole pastoral care department. And what they do is help connect people to help they need. And so uh, consider us a resource for you if you're in that place saying, I want it. I just don't know how to get it. Yeah, yeah and I do believe we've talked to some people that we are um, – starting to work with and they're helping coach us on how we can operate as leaders in this aspect. But also I, I, I do believe, and there's a text message that came in that confirmed it, that COCC and Oregon state both have free counseling, uh, available at the campuses that you can go in and take part in. And, um, and I, I think I've met a couple of them or one of them from Oregon state and just awesome people. So don't be afraid to go ahead and do that. The resources are actually a lot more prevalent around you than, than you might think. Um, but the final thing I have about social media specifically, and this isn't necessarily just, you know, related to people that are walking through depression and anxiety and stuff, but look, you guys like being less connected to social media, I believe is a part of being a grown up. And I think we all need to get there. Uh, and I, I mean that myself included. If we have to be in the know all the time, I think that communicates a serious lack of immaturity in our lives. Um, I don't know how spiritual a response that is, uh, but if you constantly need to be in the know, if you need to be with all the friends, you need to know what everybody is doing all the time, I think you've got a problem that you just need to get over. Um, it's not bad to have friends. It's not bad to have community. Um, but we've even talked about it here. You got to have rest and you got to have Sabbath as well. You got to be comfortable in your own skin. You got to be comfortable missing the phone call or the text message uh, or the social media interaction. We got to be able to be comfortable in doing that. Um, because sometimes even I've noticed that sometimes I'll get text messages about going and doing something and I am out of the state and I'll be like, ah, oh, man, you really want to go to that. It's like, what are you talking about? You're not getting home for three days. Like, shut up. Um, and I, I felt this way even as a, I've gone through some really real insecurity as a, a pastor and a preacher because I got, you know, news for you guys. A lot of pastors that want to be cool and successful in ministry have had the tendency to follow a lot of the super preacher pastors all over the world. And they are awesome. And I believe in so many of them, if, if not all the ones that I'm following on Instagram, and I'll think, man, if I can preach like Carl Lentz in New York, if I can preach like Judah Smith in Seattle, um, then this will happen to my ministry and all these things will happen. And what I've noticed is like I will completely discount everything that God has given me right in front of me. You know why? Because I'm not in Seattle, you guys. I'm not in New York. I'm not in Australia. Who cares what they are doing? I do not care. We are all preaching from the same Bible, and I like to listen to them. They're really inspirational, and I want to be a great, the best communicator that I can be. But sometimes just inhaling all of those things makes you want to be someone and be somewhere that you cannot and will not ever be, and it robs you of everything that you do have, and it replaces those things with shame and anxiety and insecurity. 
And, and that's not the way that God had intended us to be. And so for me in my life, the bullet that I've created for ministry is to do ministry like I'm going to, I'm going to do my job. I'm going to do where I'm at in my life like I'm going to do this forever. I'm now doing this job like I'm going to be the young adults pastor at Westside Church for the rest of my life. That may or may not happen, but it puts me in a space where I am completely present here, where all of my resources and passion and, and, and willpower come into to where, what God wants to do in this place. And I try to do the same thing as a dad, and I'm trying to do the same thing as a husband, to, to not look here or there or pay attention to what everybody else is doing or their engagement photos or their vacations or whatever. I want to be a dad where I am at because nobody else can be a dad to Joel and Jovi. Nobody else can be a husband to Rebecca. And, and if I'm continually staying present, if I'm off of social media, not paying attention, honestly, I'm a better dad and I'm a better pastor. Uh, so maybe that would work for you too. Thank you guys so much. Yeah. And we will be back next week with somebody. I think both Stern next week. Somebody. As we continue with our series, The Way of Jesus. Bye. <laughs> Thanks everybody. Good night. <laughs> All right. <laughs>